BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club September edition. It's back to school. There's never a more appropriate time for the redheads or an appropriate time to become a redhead than in the fall. If this is your first episode listening along with us, welcome we're so happy to have you the redheads has kind of become like a global phenomenon i don't know if you guys know this but we're just kind of like killing it hey girls hey. Hey, Hi. oh my god you guys are like charlie's angels hey <laughs> good, morning, good morning good morning charlie, charlie. Okay, well, let's catch up with all the girlies before we dive in. And we'll just talk about, I also just want to talk about the state of the redheads. I just, I'm feeling so redheads proud. Anyone else? Incredibly redheads proud. Yeah, and we've been doing this podcast for two and a half years now, which is insane. This is our 34th book, which is insane. Wow. Right? And I just love the redheads because all of our past episodes are evergreen. So you could listen to an episode from two years ago and there's nothing in it that's super topical aside from our personal life updates like Dana Mm -hmm. getting married or me moving or me having a baby or being pregnant like the content of the episodes are evergreen so I look at the numbers from our old podcasts and like they live on as if they were recorded last week and I think that's really cool but if you are listening to us in real time welcome to the episode we've got a great one for you because this month's book was unlike all our other books Mm mm-hmm it was our second nonfiction book. It was our second memoir. If you're wondering what our first was, it was I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. And also Claudia's book. Thank you. And also Claudia's book. Thank you. Third <laughs> memoir. All very different from one another. I'm excited to talk about this month's book. But before we do, I got to know what's going on with my girlies. I feel like I've been so busy. So sometimes the most I catch up with you guys is on the Redheads. I'm going to start with Sinich because you had a very busy week in Zion and Lake Powell. And I know everyone wants to hear about it. Snitch, how are you? I'm so great. I mean, I'm depressed to be here. Not here. Whoa. But like back in the city. Oh, my like God. Mean. <laughs> um mean. I yeah I went to Lake Powell and Zion last week and it was just like so sickening you know like to like see the world um and it was just like such a blast like I just couldn't recommend it enough if anybody is thinking about going you should absolutely go do you feel like the timing of your trip and the timing of this book like we're kind of just like blowing your mind on where you're at in your life yes so like I purposely left the book to read during this trip So that, like, because, like, I knew, you know, like, when you're just, like, in nature like that and, like, going on hikes and, like, going to national parks, like, you know that you're going to have, like, a revelation. So, like, I was, like, and I know this whole book is just a book of revelation. So I was, like, why not just, like, you know, just put them together? Snitch, that is so meta. 
right yeah I feel like you realized a lot of stuff in the last few weeks and I'm going to be probing you about all of it Bex how are you doing I'm doing great. Thank you so much for asking. Similar to Snitch, I had a trip in the beauty of our nation. I was in Montana and Wyoming. It felt like very similar to like the mountains and the rocks. Um, I was in Big Sky and Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and Jackson Hole. So how haven't we spoken? I'm dying to go there. It was incredible. Snitch, I have like the itinerary of a lifetime for you. Oh my I God. actually got a ton of redhead requests to like share my itinerary, which like I feel sort of cheesy doing, but like you can DM me and I'll share I'll share thoughts with you. Um, Why don't you do like what Snitch did and post an Instagram story like with the text? I mean, because people care about Snitch and like no one cares about me. But they That's are asking true. you. They're asking. Oh, thanks. Okay, maybe I will. Um <laughs> But it was very restorative. Just like the mountain air and crystal clear waters of lakes mm-hmm. is incredibly nourishing of the mind, body, soul. And I will say that like coming back to New York City of all places after the fact was torture. Waiting Horrendous. an hour for my bags, waiting an hour for a cab. It was like I had never left. I was like, wow, like all of that healing unraveled. Yeah. But couldn't recommend it enough. And since I've been to Zion before and it's so incredible. And But like when I went to the Narrows, I was in like – these like massive like overalls that like went up to my neck and like almost was washed away so yeah, i'm glad no, you made it alive girl yeah i fucking hated the narrows um but i just knew i had to do it because like that's what you do in zion um yeah, that's what but you do. we literally walked for 10 minutes and i was like okay is everyone you, you're good can we Did everyone get now? their their piece of the narrows great yeah exactly no emily and ryan were like um like okay i guess and i'm like no we're fucking turning around um were no i couldn't friend? Yes, but I, I just saw like the crisp white sneakers go into that milky muddy water, and I was like, I did that. On, I did that on purpose. Like I kn- obviously knew. Um, also, but I threw those shoes in the wash, and they're completely fine now, for oh, the record. Well. But um, yeah, no, it was definitely interesting. But I couldn't agree more about like coming back to New York was like literally like when I was like flying and I saw like the like the Freedom Tower and the Empire State Building. It was like literally kill me, like <laughs> actually kill me. Damn. Um, yeah. Dana, you've also been to Zion, yet you're being so quiet. I, I didn't want to interrupt Snitch's soliloquy, but I was excited to ask you about the Narrows, and then I read that you hated it. So I was like, oh, of course, the one thing I had done on that trip. What else did you do? Um, King's, King's Landing? Angel's Landing. Angel's which, Landing. <laughs> <laughs> which was closed, actually, when I went, like, the tippy top, the whole point of going with, like, the chains but it was still like an epic hike. I heard and Angel's Landing is like hard as fuck. I did Angel's Landing and went to the tippy top and it was so terrifying and so hard. And I look back and I think it was a 10 mile hike, which is unbelievable that someone conned me into doing that. So yeah, I guess no. it was you not check the mileage before you go. We went like really deep too into the narrows. I think we walked for 20 miles there and back. Like it was crazy. We got to the point where it like it forks and you pick the easier or the harder one and we picked the harder one. I was like scaling rocks and like slipping and soaking wet. I kind of loved it though. Yeah, you would. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, um, not as much interesting things to report as your two girlies trips. I've been doing a lot of beach time, enjoying the last licks of summer. I ran into a redhead at the OAR Dispatch concert that I went to on Sunday at PNC. It was so exciting. And otherwise, just like so excited to talk about this book. Same. 
great. Okay, Jack, well, I'm excited. Jack, how, yeah, are Jack, how are you? How are you? I'm good. I mean, I've been home since last episode, just trying to get everything in order in my new house. I've just been like podcasting every single day, and everyone knows everything about me because I'm always talking about it on a podcast. But life is good. I'm enjoying suburban life, being a homeowner, and I actually read a lot of good books this month, which I'm so excited to share. And I'm excited just for another episode with my girlies but I am jealous of all of your travels we definitely need to do a redheads off-site at some point we should do it like in the mountains it's the perfect place to read yes. yeah we really should at some point in the near future also speaking of redheads tings we have new merch dropping very very soon and I'm so excited and I will post everything to our Instagram including like when it will be available and all of the different things that we're making we have a lot of stuff like that you've already seen bringing back our classic sweatshirts with our logo different material sweatshirt because we heard your cries that the last ones were too thick but we also have Mm. some new designs and some new products so I'm just so excited for all of it and stay tuned for all of it but just know Redheads merch is coming and it's so premium because our logo and our vibe and our brand is like so on point yeah it's incredibly on point and yeah. it, it appeals to every type of creature, you know? I, mm-hmm. I showed the merch to my boyfriend, Evan, and the thing that I didn't expect him to like was his favorite thing, you know? It's which was? Like, which was just like the logo of our little lady on the hat. He was like oh very God, much. So I like the hats the best too. I, I think those he are was awesome. so drawn to her. I was like, interesting choice, my friend. Go whatever the oh. wind takes you. Well, we have two hats dropping. One is our f- woman logo, which is she's very like ambiguous. Like, who is she? What does she stand for? And then we also have a hat that says like the Redheads Book Club in our font. And Zach already stole that hat, and he actually wasn't gravitating towards the female icon. I was like, well, she's our icon. Like, we are having a hat with her. But I'm so glad to know like there's something for everyone. Everyone, which Something I, I felt everyone that there would be Good it really me. gives me Sorella vibes which was our underground sorority at Colgate like that woman is Sorella oh, wow. okay and you're just gonna like blow you're just gonna talk about it on oh, a public forum like, I still like I still you know like <laughs> so the, like, wait the senior, the you guys are gonna Jack, come after you Jack. Jack. it's, it's mean, been 10 years <laughs> no but like I don't know I'm just so like it's so ingrained in me like yeah. not to talk about it that brainwashed um I'm like triggered. <laughs> no, it's just like we're gonna like have to chug beers later. So yeah, we're gonna get in trouble and yeah. we're gonna be under like disciplinary <laughs> review. But thanks, Dana. Uh, yes, but I agree. It does give that vibe. Okay, let's get into this month's episode, shall we? Because we read Everything I Know About Love by Dolly Alderton. It was a snitch's choice. And it was a departure for the snitch, which we love to see. I feel like what I'm noticing now that we're going on three years of doing this show is each of us get three book picks a year. And snitch's september pick is always like sort of different from her other picks it's probably like her first two were too similar now she's trying to branch out that was like we are the brennans it was different from like your usual rom-coms because you had done layla and twice in a blue moon this year you did two of the exact same book all roads lead here in the simple (laughs) wild so i felt like you really needed to do something different i feel like for me And you'll notice it when I choose my next book. One book of the year, I always pick like the next book that I wanted to read regardless. And it's like a historical fiction book. Then I also will pick one of a a more trendier book. And that was like a slow fire burning last year, which is that that's my choice coming up this month. So I am picking somewhat of a trendy book. And that's what I'm noticing. Dana always closes out the year with a banger. She always makes her riskier choice in 
August, My Dark Vanessa, Claria and the Sun. And what did we just read? I love that we have patterns now for our book selections. Like enough time we has have passed patterns. that we can analyze it. What did we just what read? What did we just read? Um, A Flicker in the Dark. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. But it was, yeah, that, that turned out to be an amazing book that we all love. But it was a different choice mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. So, and then the Bex pattern, her second book of the year is always a hit because she's traumatized by the first book, for <laughs> okay. sure, for sure. Which would be Ghosts of Gotham mm-hmm. and um, Four Winds. <laughs> right. So then her second book, Nature of Fragile Things and Girls with Bright Futures, always slaps. And then her third book of the year, she gets too comfortable, Luis Velez, The Kitchen Front, and she does something weird. A hundred percent. Spot on analyses. Thank you so much. So right now we're in the era of Snitch's departure, and I think we're all going to benefit from it. This book is a memoir by Dolly Alderton, who I think as people were reading this book, it's just like, who is this girl? Why am I listening to her? Mm-hmm. Like, what does she wind up becoming a famous something or other? No, she's actually just a female writer, millennial girly with something to say. And I think she has a lot to say, and I think she represents... I mean, she's obviously herself, but I feel like all of us probably can at least find one thing that she does or thinks or feels that we can really, really relate to because I just feel like she's experiencing life in the extreme. And the book is about her teenage years through her 20s up until her turning 30. And it's a coming-of-age story, and it's a series of short stories, but not so random. It is pretty chronological, all about dating, all about friendships, all about her self-image, therapy, mental health, drinking, really every sort of topic that you think about or experience in your 20s so there's no particular plot line other than you know she starts out the book as a bored teenage girl in suburbia who's boy obsessed and she goes to university and then she lives in London with her friends her friends are all getting engaged and she's just trying to figure herself out and by 30 she's getting there but I don't think she'll ever be there because that's just not Dolly you know she's got to stay true to Dolly so That's the book, not very plot-driven, extremely character-driven, the character being Dolly. Before we get into our DBQs, I want to know what everyone thought about the book. Snitch, we're going to start with you since it was your choice. Did you like the book? What did or didn't you like about it? I actually really liked the book. The thing that I liked about it was, like, I just feel like there were so many things. Like, in the beginning, like, oh, when she was, like, at a party in college and her friend, like, was trying to hook up with a guy and she, like, knocks on the door and is like, I can't. Like, I'm wearing granny panties or, like, Spanx. I was like, yeah, like totally so it's just like little things like that where I was just like I just like felt like so like just like it's so like relatable um there were definitely some points in the beginning when I was reading it I was more of the mindset of like who the fuck is this bitch like why am I listening to her but then like as I was reading it I like more and more was like I think the whole point is that like she is a just a regular girly like living through life and it's just like her experiences and it's not supposed to be some like life coach or anything like that um so I did really like it and I also just think that it will foster really great conversation like between us between the redheads so um yeah yeah agreed dana what did you think i'm so curious snitch i loved this book like Ah! absolutely adored it i am so happy we can be on the same page i thought it was so clever i thought the witty takes on life from like the mundane to the serious were so poignant I found myself legitimately laughing out loud at several times. Like, Josh kept asking what I was laughing at, and I was like, this damn book that snitch slayed. Um, I didn't relate to her that much. Like, I hate drinking. Her irresponsibility, like, really overwhelmed me. I, like, couldn't find myself feeling for, for her in a lot of moments. 
but there were times that I really did commiserate like her takes on her friends weddings and the baby showers and all those like hyperbolic hilarious events I thought were so so funny and I just thought she had like a very refreshing self-awareness about her that I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed like I just didn't want to put it down and I laughed my way through most of the book Wow, a Dana Snitch crossover. Loved it, Snitch. It's I, it was so really rare. Good. Wow, I'm yeah. so glad. Rebecca, what did you think? I'm just floored in every way, shape, or form. <laughs> and I'm happy to add some spice to this conversation because it makes it more interesting. But, okay, this book was not for me. I did love – I'll start with the positives. I loved the recounting of her memories. They were incredibly hilariously depicted and nostalgia-evoking, which I really appreciated. And she – it was so incredibly well-written. Like, I can't knock that even for a second. Like, he, she was a wonderful writer. And, like Dana pointed out, very self-aware, which we can all appreciate. Like, that's pretty rare these days. Um, what I did not appreciate was this woman miraculously transforming into a full-on love guru, offering advice left, right, and center in a realm that she admittedly had no grasp over. So that honestly was just like I was rolling my eyes into the back of the head by the end of the book. The second half of the book really dragged for me, so I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Um And then specifically like the last few chapters when she was done recounting memories – it was just purely like recommendations and advice and suggestions. And I was like, I don't want your suggestions. I am here for the laughing and for the recounting of like your hilarious nights out. And I'm not saying that like, I don't want you to grow and evolve, but like, I'd still like you to weave in some new memories. It felt like she was just always like sort of patting herself on the back in the second half of the book, which like felt a little fraudulent to me. I don't know. Like she just lost me. She lost me halfway through. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. I just finished it today, so I haven't had time to like sit with it and process how I feel about it. I can only really speak to like how I felt about it along the way. And there were moments where I really enjoyed it. Overall, I found it to be exhausting. Like reading it was just like make my brain swirl and like made me really tired. But also just because like the writing was it was kind of dense for a memoir even though her writing style is light and I like it but there were just like so many comparisons so many details I was just like it was a lot but I really I liked it and there were so many things in there that I found to be so relatable like I could have written that myself and then there was uh, there was other parts of her that I found so unrelatable and I was like what are you doing Mm -hmm. so I feel like everybody who's reading it or at least most people can find bits and pieces of her story that really they can resonate with and for me one thing that I really did relate to and that I really enjoyed was how she would like talk about college and like doing everything for the story like it brought me right back and it reminded me of college and that's why I knew Dana was gonna like this book because any chance she has to relive our what she thinks are our glory days um are she's here for it so I really and what's so funny is like it's very set in England and even so many of the terms phrases words like I actually I didn't know what it was it took me forever to realize that the M2 is a highway I didn't even have to google it I think it's a highway I thought it was like the train at first or the bus oh I thought it was the bus too I think it's the highway based on like context clues so it's um funny though how we're about the same age as her and like even though we're totally on different sides of the Atlantic like we have the same human feelings and experiences yeah yeah 
having been like agree. born in, around the same time and having the same cultural references aside from like Rod Stewart and Neil Simon I don't know what music she listens to no honestly there was a lot of like the stuff from like the, the back in the day that I was just like so simply not following like I was like I don't know what you're talking about yeah uh, also but then there yeah. was a, a lot where it was just like poor decision making never learning and I feel like towards the end she started to correct those errors and explain you know but it there it just wasn't enough of realizations like I felt like the the over drinking and I feel like that's a realization I had in my 20s too like the relationship to drinking and how like bad it is for you inside outside every which way and she comes to that realization like slowly but never really gets into it and I just I I don't know I just feel like there was more she could have once she learned shared her learnings but then on the other hand like you said Bex it's like I didn't want to be told what to do from her I felt like the last 15 percent for me like it felt like just she was trying to figure out how to wrap this up yes. with turning for 30 yeah. and that's that's where I feel like it felt a little inauthentic like I feel like the glamour of the whole story was that she was like very raw and honest with like being a shit show and like not really having a sense of what's right or wrong and then all of a sudden she's wrapping it up with like all of this like moral holier than thou recommendation for how to live your life and I was like wait this is pretty much a a departure from what we've been doing this entire story see that's funny like I totally agree I don't want to take advice from this woman but I read her advice not as her actually wanting to impart it upon her readers I read it as her making fun of herself because like it was at times so obviously contradictory like the very first page one of her things was like you should always fake an orgasm it makes both parties feel better and at the the end it was like you should never do you should never fake an that's orgasm that's the whole point I know so I'm saying oh, I don't okay. think but like I think it was like she was talking to herself less than the audience like it was a self-exploration yeah. into like things she could do to work on but not necessarily meant for us to adopt into our own lives I have no idea if that's true but that's how I felt when I was reading it of like oh I'm obviously never taking this woman's advice but it's interesting to see the like exact contradiction she's making from page one to page 100 I'm I'm not sure if I agree. I think that she was <laughs> making recommendations, but maybe no, I'm I wrong. Don't. No, I know it was like, like this was is what every- I this yeah. she was like this is what I knew about love at 21. And the point is, you don't know anything if you think mm-hmm. that like faking orgasms is best for all parties. Yeah, that and then it's like and then it was 25, and then it was like an X age, and so like that's kind of I know. The whole point. I guess I'm just thinking that like here's what I knew about love at 30 as like the current moment that she's like this is the right recommend set of recommendations by 30 yes everything that she says like she thinks is correct and so that's where was... I'm like I don't I don't think I want to take no, advice from you but also like maybe at 35 like she will think the opposite of what she has in 30 a I sequel because, I don't know you guys it just didn't sit right with me okay I don't know but I do think there's a point in life and it's not that you ever stop growing but like where you become a whole person and like you have a lot of the answers that you didn't have and I think that happens really between like 25 and 30 like your brain is fully formed at 25 so anything before that like is not complete um but I think by 30 and I don't know because I haven't experienced it yet but I I do think like you not that you have all the answers whatsoever you acquire wisdom throughout the rest of your life but like your premises are pretty set yeah yeah 
I don't know. That's, I mean, maybe I'll find out as I continue to age. But I do feel like you don't hear people who are 50 be like, oh, when I was 30, I thought yeah. this and I was so wrong. You think, you know, you're in your teens and your 20s. I agree. But There's I feel way like by 30, you room. know what you're believing and you know what you're about. And then you spend the rest of your life like building on that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think 20 to 30 is starkly different from 30 to 40 in terms of your life outlook. I agree. Yeah. So n- not all the answers, but getting there. Problem solving, for sure. Okay, let's get into our DBQs, which were written by our own Dana Holtzberg, because this book <laughs> did not have a book club guide. So I'm shocked, still- by the way, that it doesn't, because it Me has too. A I'm show. surprised the publisher didn't put out a whole kit with recipes and cocktails Same. and <laughs> games, but they didn't, and Dana <laughs> had to do the legwork herself. And I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Dipsy. So Dipsy is one of our new favorite sponsors here at the Redheads, and they are the perfect sponsor for the Redheads, because they're all about stories that match your mood so with summer here and the smell of fresh blooms and the sun shining down on us you can't help but feel inspired to spice things up and explore your inner desires and fantasies you can find stories that match your mood this season on dipsy or any season really especially as we head into fall you know it's cuffing season you want to cuddle up with a nice dipsy story for those of you who don't know dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and characters no matter who you're into or what turns you on. Find stories about that intriguing coworker with a British accent or hooking up with your hot yoga instructor. They even have stories designed specifically for your zodiac sign, Dana. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness stories, and now they also offer written stories. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, go to dipsystories.com slash book. They are offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash book. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash book, dipsystories.com slash book. Okay, time for our DBQs. First one. At one point, Dolly laments not knowing how it feels to be truly committed to someone. And Farley responds, quote, you can do long-term love. You've done it better than anyone I know. I'm talking about you and me. How did this moment open Dolly's eyes to the different forms that love can take and what does it say about their friendship? That line changed the whole book for me. Oh my God. Me too, Snitch. It was my favorite part of the whole book. It was my favorite part of the book because I was just like, holy shit, like that's so true. Like she is in a like loving relationship, like friendship with her friends and like she is capable of doing it. It, While it's obviously not the same because it's not like with like a lifelong partner, like it's still like possible for her I was just like oh my god like I did not see that coming yeah until Farley gets another boyfriend <laughs> well yeah and she's in a and then and then she and then um Dolly loses her mind but I don't know but even still like even with that whole situation what was his name Scott yeah yeah, yeah. like in the yeah. beginning like Dolly was like so unwell about it but like then she like figured it out and like was still like a good friend to her even though like in the beginning she was upset about it so like we knew the thing is like we knew Dolly's like inner thoughts and like all of that but like she was like Scott like said to her like I love you so like obviously she wasn't acting like a crazy person like to them I just love that part because 
she got so caught up in equating her relationships with like how sexual she was with men and was so quick to define herself and put it away as like I'm someone who can never commit and I thought Farley's revelation was like so powerful because love the way that she was devoting it to Farley could easily equate to how she could devote it to a man in a other relationship and like without that awakening I feel like she might still be stuck and like not realize that those are very transferable skills you know what's interesting oh Jax go I agree with all of that I just feel like that passage and that concept of like friendship love became like the justification for the title of this book whereas I don't think and I, you can see the author like struggled with it you know I, everything I know about dating friendships what life whatever and then she wound up with love and that's a question that we got from the redheads too like if it was aptly titled and I feel like the Farley realization like makes it seem like it is but I don't think this is a book about lessons in love I think I would feel better about this book if it were more about lessons of friendship yeah yeah because yeah, she's an excellent friend exactly and like her devotion to her friends is pretty remarkable Mm -hmm. what's interesting though she did have this realization with leo her first boyfriend in real love when she was freaking out about scott and farley and was like but like she's my first priority she's my everything and he was like maybe she shouldn't be like maybe it's time for you to take some stock and like you're like I'm in a relationship with you and you're literally telling me to my face that I'm not number one priority that your friend is right so I her her relationship with Farley while I admire it and while I like that's such a special special bond I did think it was overly it it consumed her you're so right that the whole point of that passage was to justify the title of the book. Like, that's hilarious and true. Like, she was like, oh, look, I learned about love because it has no gender, shape, or size. It can fit all of these people. And, like, that was the, what the title was meant to do. And that's true. But, like, if I'm reading a book on love, I also want to hear from the person who has the the companionship, part, life partner piece figured out. Yes. Correct. And how that love really does differ from a love between friends which it does it's all you know all well and good and warm and fuzzy but it's different and requires like different things in order to be sustained and I do feel like in that moment with Leo when he was like well that's weird that uh, that's your priority like he was right in that situation I agree and it just felt like this entire book was sort of like Dolly backing into or rationalizing her devotion to Farley and being like yes like this is love like look and like reiterating time and time again how they're so devoted to each other how they're the tattoo of of Dolly's name this and that like it was like so overwhelming I was like we get it like you guys are tight but like that's not the love that like we and we thought we were wrong. reading about. Yes, and maybe it's wrong of me to to put love in a bucket, but like I don't think I'm alone. I think no, most- I don't think you're alone either. I think it's like a little like middle schooly to come to that realization at thirty. Like we're best friends, and that's like my love bucket runneth over. Yeah, when there's a lot of different like bins in the bucket. I think her admission that Leo said that to her that she put it in writing, like well maybe that's not normal, was her admitting she was realizing that on some level too 
Like when I read yeah. that, I didn't read it defensively of like she was like, can you believe Leo said that? I felt it also was read as an epiphany of her. The passage ended with his quote. So like, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. But then it was like years later, it's almost as if that never happened. That never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Something to think about. Okay, our next question. Did you find Dolly's hyperbolic passages about her friend's milestone life events, i.e. weddings, baby showers, to be funny or too cynical? So in I between they were hilarious. all the stories and there were recipes and there were also like mock invitations for dinner parties, weddings, bachelorette weekends, baby showers that really, you know, call out some of the hypocrisies and extravagant nature of these events snitch found it hilarious i thought it was so funny at first i I didn't get it i was like what am i reading and then i then i realized like it's supposed to be satirical um and i thought it was so funny i thought it was hilarious and incredibly cynical but like in all the right ways and i thought that it was incredibly poignant and just hilariously depicted me too i thought it was funny and well done but a lot of the stuff it's like Maybe it, just because we have like a, I have a smaller circle of friends. Like I'm not going on hen dues, which are bachelorette parties, by the way. I don't know if you guys know that in the UK. Um, <laughs> like that, I've never been asked on a bachelor party that I didn't want to be on. That I wasn't like happy to do everything. You know what I mean? Like I feel like whenever I'm doing something of that nature for someone, like I, I'm not just like an acquaintance who's been asked to buy a gift, even though they don't know me. I didn't have a bridal shower. I didn't have a baby shower. So maybe like. I'm just not who Dolly's making fun of. And I'm yeah, just no, like you're not, not like part of girls. the conversation. There's like a I'm lot of like people other. who are forced to go on people's bachelorettes that like they don't want to go on. And like there's a billion yeah. people who have like an engagement party, a bachelorette party, a bridal shower, this, a baby shower. Like there are a lot of those people. So I think I'm just not like other girls. So I just like yeah. to it. That's how I felt. <laughs> there's definitely a world of women and men who feel bamboozled by like the wedding and baby industry. So I think yeah. maybe it's just directed at them. So much of the book in general and also in the specifics was reminding me of Sex in the City 1. And one in the sense that like our friends, they're, they, by the end they're like, they, our friends are our soulmates and like any man who comes is just like second best. And that was like the vibe I was getting. But it works for Sex in the City because it's fictional. But this is this person's life. So I was like, but don't you want like Yeah, this more? girl needs fucking help. I think she no but I think she does want it though and like once she has it like she'll be like better equipped to like handle it but like no I don't think think she's resigned herself to being in love with Farley from afar and like that's her life (laughs) I don't think that the the end of the book was like her being like I'm never gonna find someone but at one point when she talks about remember she's dating that guy who's weird and his dad had made a lot of money because of the fish that he discovered and he wrote a book about it. Yes. And then she says, and later in my life I was laying in bed with the love of my life who was studying for a PhD and he pulls out that book. Who is that guy? I think that's, I think Leo. that's Leo. Oh. That's yeah. the love of her life? Yeah. It was Leo, the timeline got comp got confusing with like jumping back and forth between all the people like I was lost a lot of who which boyfriend was who I was lost during like the university's part like yeah there was Exeter and then there was something else and I was like what's the boarding school what's the university like how old are you and then I realized that you can drink in the UK at 18 so things started to like kind of fall into place a little Yes, Leo was getting his PhD and she did refer to him as like who she thinks has been like her only love so it was definitely him Damn, I thought she was like in, currently in a relationship. No, she's, she's fucking in love with Fartley. Her real life. 
Okay, and then also Dolly as a person was reminding me of Lena Dunham in Girls. Just, oh and I feel like it's that sort of protagonist that we hear from a lot. One, because those are the people who tend to be writers and want to share their stories and they're like eccentrics. Um, but she was better, like better than Lena Dunham's character in my opinion. But just like this chaotic leading lady who like can't get out of her own way. That's a great parallel. I also found similarities with Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Fleabag. I love okay, what's so that funny show. Is I read an interview with Dolly um, right as I was doing the outline for today's episode, and she was talking about how at first her book was published in the UK and it wasn't published in America. She said America didn't want her, and she was saying it was because the book is so English in terms of its references and cultural things that like we actually wouldn't know she was saying how a lot of american culture is exported to the uk like she knows what atms are alimony even though they don't have those things but because they watch so much american tv read american books like and we're just less familiar with uk things but she actually said because of fleabag that she's riding the coattails of fleabag's success and thinks that that is part of the reason why it's the, her book is now you know getting legs here great yeah i yes I never nice. watched it, so I don't nice know. TV. I never watched it either, but that's funny. You should watch it. That. It's so fucking good. Oh, okay. It's good. Our next question. Dolly struggles through most of her 20s with men, identity, weight, drinking, and money. Yet as she prepares to turn 30, she only feels nostalgia for her younger self and is deeply troubled by getting older. Can you relate to Dolly's reflections while, when contemplating your own mortality? Honestly, it just made me really scared to get old. Oh my god. Well, Dana and Rebecca, you guys turned 30 this year. I'm wow. still 29. So I just want to know like if any of this was relatable. I wouldn't know I'm in my 20s still, but um you guys might. Wow. <laughs> Putting aside the 30 part for a second, I so related to the nostalgia of romanticizing the past when like Colgate, for example. I talk about Colgate as if it, we were like in a field of sunshine with never-ending laughter and no low moments. But, like, in reality, there were dark times there, too. But now that we're removed from it, it's like, oh, my God, that was the best possible time of my life. And I felt like that's exactly what she was doing with her 20s. Like, she had a really rough 20s. Like, she was totally unstable, had a serious drinking problem. And, like, only with time can you romanticize something like that. So that I related to in just terms of, like, looking back on something more fondly than it maybe was in terms of turning 30 and I know so many people feel this way like I I don't have that fear of like oh my god I'm old this is depressing like I want to go back I just I don't know I never really felt that impending doom I think I would have felt more of an impending doom if I wasn't stable and confident at where I am in my life so I very much understand it I think it's very case by case So I'm not one to judge anybody's 30 mental B, but I personally was quite – like, it was just like any other birthday. Like, and actually a a few friends of mine wanted to have, like, big reflections and, like, journal or have, like, a new decade of, like, understanding and, like, really be reflective about this next decade. And I was like, oh, shit, do I need to be doing that? Like, I, like, haven't even processed the fact that I'm 30. Like, I couldn't care less. It's just another day. So I think everybody is, like, on a different spectrum. Yeah. As it relates to getting older, I don't know if this is just me, but I just feel like whatever I'm doing 
I'm like, I think it's the thing to be doing, you know, like if I'm engaged or I'm, I'm getting married, but I'm like the first of my friends being married. So it's like, am I an old maid? I'm like, no, getting married is like once you're married, once you're getting married, like that's when life starts. I felt that way about being pregnant too. It's like, who's like being pregnant is what everyone should be doing. And I feel that way about being a mom now. Like what was I doing before I was a mom? And I, I just hope I carry you're dancing on tables, baby. I hope I carry that energy like all the way into the nursing home where it's like I'm 70 and old and wise and I'm like everyone oh, should be crazy. wetting their pants. <laughs> no, I'll be like everyone should, like I feel bad for people who don't have this wisdom. Like I I don't know if at any point that's going I'm going to stop feeling that way, but I just feel like at every No, Jack, like, that's always getting, been you. It's never going to stop. Oh, okay, good. I could re- cuz I could really see myself being 80 years old and like looking at people even though they're like younger and having fun and doing all these things it's like well you don't know what I know you know and I feel sorry for you you go in with like gusto when you do anything so I think you're like oh I'm like moving to Florida like this is it you guys like get down here things are happening and like one can only wish that we have that much confidence and belief in our actions yeah Maybe it will. Maybe I'll, like as soon I like do something that I that I don't have like confidence in, so I wouldn't feel that way. No, it's not going like, to happen. I'm telling you. I when I think back to being like 21 in college, and I was one to say this when Dana was saying it. It's like I feel like the further I get, I get away from it, it's like the less nostalgic and rosy it looks to me. Like when we were in it, I thought I was having the time of my life, and now the more I look back on it, like and the further I get from it, the more sad it 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 seems you know Hmm. see I still look back with deep nostalgia and I do think I have rose-colored glasses Dana to your point of like there were hard moments like a lot of them but I look back just nostalgia filled and like laugh oriented like thinking about just like sitting in the dining hall and having rehash sessions for six hours about like the crazy shit we got up to the night before and like not being able to function because we were just like laughing and hungover like those are the the golden days but I don't think that it's stunting me from progressing in my next phase of life yeah that's so interesting I never thought about it but I feel like I mostly remember like I know as a whole it was a great time but I feel like I mostly remember like the negatives even though there you were more, po- <laughs> you should work no, on there that. There were more positives <laughs> than negatives, but I just feel like maybe the negatives are just more apparent now, whereas they were not when you're in it. No, I think we've gotten to a place of like reflecting on like some of the college practices and behaviors, and we're like, that actually wasn't okay. And yeah. so I do think that that can taint your memory bucket. And I think that Jack's like you are just very like rational like that so you're like "Mm, I'm like calling it like it is and the rest of us are like "Mm, no let's just giggle a few more minutes you're also like a buttoned up appropriate mother so like thinking about you on a table wasted probably gives you a pit whereas like maybe when we get to the life stage of like oh my god we have so much more responsibility now than we ever have it won't sound so charming yeah but no, dancing on a table like still sounds like a great ass time. Yeah. I guess it's just like the drinking. I just like see it all differently now. You know? You're mature. But you know how I feel about drinking. Devil's brew. I also thought it was an interesting passage when she was saying how the millennials are being uh, kicked out by Gen Z, a.k.a. Snitch's generation, and how like society is catering to them now and what they want. And like I felt like I was kind of having that realization live time while reading it. I was like, oh, I didn't realize we're like no longer the central focal point of all of these advertisers. But like she's right. Oh, shit. That was good. <laughs> yeah. 
snitch did that make you feel good that you're like the new hot thing yeah but then it just made me think about how like i'm gonna be the millennial at some point like then there's gonna be the (laughs) generation under me that's kicking me out right and that's how i feel it's like oh i'm not jealous of gen z they're gonna be right where we are yeah and and so it goes enjoy it now snitch yeah (laughs) next question how do you think Dolly handled Farley's relationship? Was she justified in feeling abandoned or was she being selfish and dramatic? Were you shook when Scott and Farley broke up? Let's discuss. I was so shook and like uh, I understand why Dolly didn't tell us why they broke up because it's not a book about Farley and like Farley's a real person. Oh, was that why? I literally I, I, text- so. I texted like Emily. I was like, did I miss something? Like why did they break up? And she was like, I think she intentionally left it out. And I was like, I don't get it. I think it was just personal to Farley. I'm sure people know who Dolly is, can figure out who Farley is, and maybe it's something that, like, Farley wouldn't want out there. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I did, but I was still pissed. I was like, I want to know. This is crazy. I know. They seemed picture perfect. I was really shocked, and I 100% thought they were getting back together. I was like, don't tell people the wedding's off. They're getting back together. I know. Me too. Okay. Here's another problem that I had in this book. Memoir. I felt like a part of her was sort of like relieved that they broke up or like I didn't like that sort of happy that they broke up because she had her partner in crime back and she's single at this age and she's like Farley is two now and I think it would have been much more authentic for her to just give us a little glimmer of like I know I'm a psychopath I fully acknowledge that but like weirdly Mm -hmm. I feel like kind of relieved by this instead of being on her high horse like it was so hard for me to see her go through this I know there was a time when I didn't want them to be together but I'm totally 180 and I all I want is joy for them and I can't believe she's going through this I'm like this feels not accurate like I think a part of you does feel some relief and that's that's interesting. I didn't feel that way, but now in examining it, I feel like maybe she could acknowledge that she felt that way, but she would have to give away more of why they broke up in order for us to like understand why she didn't want them to be together. Like maybe she was happy they broke up because of like a toxic element in their relationship that she couldn't share with us. Yeah. So instead she had to just get rid of the whole thing. And Wait, can I just say one more thing? My Mm -hmm. suspicions were further confirmed when the second that Farley talked to someone at a bar, she was immediately jealous again and was like, (laughs) look at this bitch getting back into a relationship and like being like her selfish, like wanting to keep Farley all for herself ways back again. Oh, I read that as more of like a laughable, like she told Farley for an hour and a half about all these new things in the dating world and she needed to get on the apps and apps, 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 apps. Then in like in one second, Farley finds someone like I read it more like, of course she did. Like your big old fat me is telling her what to do and like she doesn't need my advice. (laughs) No, I thought the same thing. I didn't think she was like, I like, I didn't think she was actually mad, but I think she was like. She was like, oh, I'm. She was like, I'm like, I have all the wisdom about like dating. Like, you, it's literally impossible. You can't meet it. And like, goes on and on. And then like two seconds later, she meets someone in person. So like, yeah, I get why she would be like facetious. But also, I do agree with you, Jackie, because when they went away, and Farley was like, "Did you like not like him or like whatever or like did you have any doubts? Did you have any doubts?" And. I didn't think she said that she had doubts because she just like wasn't happy that she like her friend was in a relationship. I think that she had doubts because there was something that we didn't know. Yes, and they yeah. said that like Farley asked her if she ever had doubts, and she said yes. And Farley was like, "Thank you for not telling me that." And so I agree. I would like to just know what more was going on there. Yeah, I do, I and think- I. Uh, 
I know Farley herself even admitted in the book, like if I, if you had gotten a, a boyfriend at 22 that became your husband, like I would have also been devastated. But I agree, Red. I thought like she was a total selfish psychopath at the beginning of that relationship. Like, total dude, let your friend. Psychopath. Yeah, like I was not down for her behavior. She was so ridiculous. Farley was making an effort when she like mm-hmm. castrated her for saying that she texted her and it's not the same as being in person at that party in the bathroom. Like mortifying. Like get your shit together, Dolly. Support her. She's also, been nothing but a good friend to you. I oh. understand like being ups- like just like not even upset, but just like being like sure upset that like your friend has a boyfriend and like you don't but like that's just something that you like keep to yourself like you don't ever confront her about it you don't ever talk to your other friends about it like that's like a you problem so like you don't make it like this whole thing there's but like what space I will say is like dolly was saying how now that she's a boyfriend she's always gonna be with the boyfriend's friends and if that was the reality of Parley's new life that she's always with her boyfriend's friends and she's not going to be hanging out with her friends anymore like that's not how it should be and so maybe Dolly was justified and maybe that was part of like why they ultimately broke up that like Farley's maybe he was like controlling yeah maybe like she just had to take on his life and like couldn't keep her friendships as close as they were and spending as much time together because that just wasn't their relationship and that's not how it's supposed to be it doesn't mean that you have to only hang out with friends in relationships yeah that was like a big one of her like life advice like once your friend gets a boyfriend here's the order of the hierarchy and I was like not really like it doesn't have to be family boyfriend boyfriend's family boyfriend's friends boyfriend's pet boyfriend's second pet like (laughs) no for sure but also but that's just what she thought at that age no I think it was indicative of Farley's relationship and I feel like that's a clue as to why they broke up because that's not healthy yeah I mean I think they broke up probably because after Farley's sister died which we'll talk about because that was so devastating mm-hmm. I, that just is a really hard thing to go through with somebody yeah. like I think that that's just, what I that's yeah what I suspected. it's like just a lot to endure with someone and like yeah. that makes or breaks relationships yeah but he lasted I, 18 months I agree it makes or breaks a relationship but like if you are the right person for one another and you're already engaged and like you've sorted out that you want to be together I think it makes your relationship like yeah and for him, him to not have been able to I mean, I don't want to judge, and we also don't know that this was the case, but, like, I would hate to think that that was why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty devastating. Yeah. Okay, next question. When she was younger, Dolly was obsessed with being an adult. What does this say about growing up in a strict household, and how do you think it informed Dolly's actual adulthood when she got there? Well, I just think this was such a shame. She was younger, and she wanted to be an adult so badly, and she's finally an adult, and, like, she wants to go back to being a kid. And it's like... At least be obsessed with being an adult and and be happy with that. At one point, she talked about how she, like, loved paying bills and loved all these adult things. But then when she's 30, she, like, wants to go back to being a teenager. To me, that's really, like, sad. To never want to be where you are and to always, like, like, at least I understand being a kid and wanting to be an adult. Like, I, that's understandable. But then to go back to wanting to be a kid, even though, like, you didn't enjoy your time yeah. and I, no, I, but we should take advice like, from this bitch <laughs> it's just a I don't waste think of this life book is meant to always... be an advice book no i'm not trying to take advice or anything i'm just saying like it's a sad state to always want to be Somewhere at a different else. stage in your life and it's even sadder when you want to be in the past because you have no mode of getting there yeah and i just yeah. didn't get it like 
she was actually excited to be paying taxes and like going to doctor's appointments because it meant she was an adult. And I was like, you didn't get to this stage and be like, oh my God, this stuff, this is terrible. <laughs> like, Right. Yeah. So if you liked all that. Like, why do you want to go back? Yeah. In terms of a strict household, I do think that there's a benefit to like letting your children explore on their own and not withholding so much from them because I feel like most often people go, like once they get access to something that's been held back from them like they go balls to the walls um I think that Dolly would have gone balls to the walls anyway it seemed like she just had an appetite for partying and liquor so I'm not really blaming anything on the household but I do think that there there is reason behind like letting your kids sort of live their life as they should be living it Yes and no. I go back and forth with this because I think that there are kids who grow up in strict households who obviously rebel. But I think there are also kids who grow up in lenient households who have access to like all of this stuff. And grow up too and, fast. And grow up too fast. And, and I think if Dolly grew up in a lenient household, she would have just only done all of this like sooner, faster. Maybe got it out of her system sooner. But I don't think she would have been walking the straight and narrow. I think it's like everything else, nature and nurture. But there's not one way that's going to ensure that your child like isn't interested in other Yeah, you got to do a pulse check on your kids as they're growing up. Be like, yo, what what kind of freak are you? Okay, okay, so say you have a kid that's like interested and and bored in the suburbs, which is like a recipe for imaginations running wild. Like what what is the best course of action at that point? Organize sports. Letting them do what they want? Organized sports. Agree. Activities. After school. Extracurriculars. Yes. Yeah. Not getting lit at the bat mitzvah where she was like fiending for her next drink after that for years. (laughs) Right. And that's wild. We went to so many bat mitzvahs growing up and like no one had alcohol at a bat mitzvah. No. We were not drinking at bat mitzvahs. Like we were like like, making out. I liked her appreciation for all the Jews in her life. Totally. Yeah, same. In the beginning, I thought she was Jewish and then I realized she wasn't. She just loves them. Yeah, there were a lot of Judeophile elements. Totally. Farley's Jewish. Yeah. Farley's Jewish. And that was just like so nice to to be so seen. Thank you. Yeah. Dolly. <laughs> Thank you, Dolly. One point for Dolly. Yes. Next up, therapy was the beginning of Dolly's transformation from an unstable mess to a more enlightened human. But Dolly constantly reiterated how actions speak louder than words when using these tools. Do you think Dolly would have been able to grow as much as she did without therapy? No. No, I think that because she has, like, avoidance issues. So, like, if ever anything came up, like, she wouldn't talk about it. She would just, like, drink it away or, like, squash it down. Whereas, like, on these sessions every Friday, she had no fucking choice. Like, she had to get it out. And, like, in getting it out, she couldn't avoid it. And so, like, I think that that kind of just helped her, like, a lot. This part reminded me of Good Morning Monster, and I liked it. I liked it. It wasn't so dragged out. It was just, like, a... Chapter, just chapter two, yeah. we got it, and, like, done. Yeah, I also think that she had a very really good therapist. Yes. I agree. Which mm-hmm. I, I could also see her having not had a good therapist and just, like, being someone who's constantly in therapy and, like, just doing the same things over and over again. I, it reminded me of Good Morning Monster in the sense that there was... Closure. Results. Yeah. Results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, when she pointed out that certain therapists, like, allow the patient to believe that the world is against them and that like it's their the world's fault not theirs and it was like the opposite with dolly that yeah she was like, like no really, it's really wanted some self-reflection to take place where it's like oh no no this is me i am the problem yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just exited out of my little of my little outline. I'm so sorry. I can read the last question for you, Jax. It's just oh, how you did know you? What? F- <laughs> Please do. <laughs> how did you feel about the London setting of the book? Was it London? It was all over. Uh, it, it was in London in her later years, like, but she was in the, the suburbs. There was some Cornwall for all my pole dark fans. Oh my god, I forgot about pole dark, Jax. <laughs> the pole dark phase of your life. Yeah, it was very English, and it made me wish that I was a little more familiar with the places she was talking about. And it made me wish that, like, if there was a show, when there is a show about it, it is going to be set in London. But I feel like this would translate so well to New York if it ever became like another yeah. show but you know New York being the city the surrounding suburbs you have upstate etc I liked London though so many we always talk about how so many of the books that we read are set in London and I love it I imagine it was very fun for London readers yeah. to read this yeah because it's really like a interactive map of their And I like what you said earlier, Jack. So, like, there was truly stuff I had no idea what she was talking about being at London. But it showed that it doesn't matter. And, like, we're literally Mm -hmm. all all the same no matter where we're from. Like, her MSN messenger was our iChat. Like, we can relate even if we don't know what, like, a dolly lop is. (laughs) Yeah. Totally, totally. Okay. Now it is time for the redhead questions. We got some great questions from our readers. Thank you all for submitting. First up, was there a specific story or piece of advice from the author that resonated with you the most? There's a follow-up to that, but I would like to go around. Is there a story or advice? What resonated the most with you? Snatchler? Um, can you go to someone else? <laughs> Rebecca? The story that resonated with me was the story about David, who was that person that she interviewed. And the guru. The guru who, like, came, came into her life and just as quickly left because I had a very similar, bizarre, like, mutual love bomb. And I honestly was relieved and, like, at least affirmed that this happens to more than just me. But it was a wild experience and reading about it and like the path like I was like maybe they will get married like this will be wonderful and then like seeing him walk out that door and never come back I'm like holy shit this happened to me like this is the wildest experience I've ever read through someone else's eyes so I would say like that was pretty wild um and then I think like her college memories like brought me right back to Colgate like uh, like one ha- one Deke house specifically and it was so crazy like I could see that kitchen I could like see the buckets of apple pie which was a drink that we were always drinking and like it was just nutty how how like college evoking the experiences were that she was describing. Yeah, yes. I agree. That was one thing I was going to say that really resonated with me is this idea of like doing everything for the story. I actually highlighted the passage. She said, we were just trying to collect stories for each other. She tells me now whenever I question how we could all have had such an infantile appetite for recklessness and such little self-awareness. That's what we traded in. It wasn't to show off to anyone else but each other. Like if that ain't college, yeah. I don't know. 100%. Com- 
completely agree. This didn't resonate like on a personal level, but I was pretty rocked by the Florence chapter when Farley's sister got sick and then the evolution of pushing back the wedding. She passed away. Her ensuing breakup with Scott. Like I thought in a pretty lighthearted memoir, that was a really heavy part that I was mm-hmm. like, not prepared for. Yeah. yeah. Snitch any there's one path like not like a specific story but one passage that just like stuck with me um it was it goes it was at this time that i was reminded of the chain of support that keeps a sufferer afloat the person at the core of a crisis needs the support of their family and best friends while those people need support from their friends partners and family that even those people twice removed might need to talk to someone about it it takes a village to mend a broken heart i loved that well said I'm actually going through my highlights right now and there's like there's so many good lines in here that I highlighted. No, I've so I left my fucking Kindle at home on piss because I literally highlighted the whole book. But this Download I like the Kindle app. I have it, but okay. you can't get your clippings in the Kindle app on your phone. I tried. Damn, count. I know I'm pissed. Counts. But this Maybe I had could a, do a, a follow up. This I had a photo of because it like really resonated with me, so I was fine. Oh, okay. oh mm, Jack's go. Oh, do you have a passage you want to share too? Well, it was just about like the it was within the David story when like she was talking to her friend after he left and was like, of like he has a tattoo on his chest and she was like, of course he does. What does it say? And she was like, it's honestly too ironic for me to even tell you. And it was like about like women empowerment. Literally, um, it was so funny to me. It was incredible. But I loved her self-awareness in that moment that was like, it's honestly like too ironic for me to even share. It was so good. That's so funny. I have a few. One, I think it was when she was kind of like sleeping around or something and her mom said, she was talking to her mom and she said, my friends and I continued to believe what we were doing was a great act of empowerment and emancipation. My mom often (laughs) told me this was a misguided act of feminism that emulating the most ludish behavior of men was not a mark of equality. And I just feel like that's a really important point. Message. I agree. Yeah. Um, also, when she talks about, like, um, anxiety, another thing that no one tells you about drinking as you get older is that it isn't the hangovers that become crippling, but rather the acute paranoia and dread in the sober hours of the following day that became a common feature of my mid-20s. Oh, Jax, I had the exact same thing highlighted, and I had the note just saying, pit. Like, this is it. This is the a exact definition of Pittsville, USA. Right. So it's like where I couldn't relate to her. It's like I know exactly that feeling that she's talking about. And it actually caused me to like really almost entirely stop drinking. Like I drink here and there, but it was enough for me to be done with the act of also um, like binge drinking, really. Um, but not for her. Not for her. No, no, Not no. for Dolly. Also, this is an iconic quote. Growing up engenders self-awareness, and self-awareness kills a self-titled party girl, party girl stone cold dead. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Um, one line that I had about Florence was, let yourself run away with your feelings. You were made so, so that someone could love you. Let them love you, which I, I really liked. Oh, that's pretty. Also, I loved the the passage that closed out the book. I won't read the whole thing, but when it goes, um, when you're looking for love and it seems like you might not ever find it, remember you probably have access to abundant of it already around you, just not the romantic kind. Like even like friends and family. Like, Of course she would say oh, that because she doesn't have actual love, just love with Farley. 
No, but she has actual love with, like, her mom and her dad. Like, no, of course, of course. <laughs> I'm literally just boiling it down to, like, the little thing that bothers me about this book. No, the little thing that bothers you about this book is that she didn't end up with a man. The little thing that bothers me about this book is Ooh, everything. Wow, <laughs> Snatchler, hot take. That is a hot take. It's actually an interesting point, Snatchler. Like, am I frustrated that it didn't end with her falling in love? Maybe. Me too, yeah, I you think. Are. I didn't hadn't even I hadn't even internalized that. Yeah. But just only because, only because I don't need her to fall in love for her life to start or whatever. Like I'm not just like trying to, you know make her whole once she has a man but only because the title of this book is everything I know about love and that includes the committed relationship with a loved with a loved one I think like it's supposed to be like a contrast so it's like everything I know about love and then it's like what she knows about love is that like she has love around her in like other ways is like kind of like the moral of the story Mm -hmm. it's like love is all around you I get that but I just think like in reality it's the whole pie. And if it mm-hmm. wasn't so focused on finding love and the, the process, yeah. I would maybe feel more comfortable with that outcome. But it was not that. And I think she actually was genuinely interested in finding a partner and just had trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. Cool. Next redhead question. This was a follow-up. If you were to write a memoir about your 20s, what would you say is the biggest thing you learned or are learning? I can't enjoy it. Don't question. take anything. Don't take anything too seriously. It's not going to matter. And spend your time like embracing it and enjoying it. And you're really skinny. Yeah. <laughs> and run your own race. I feel like people get so caught up with what their friends are doing. Like everyone for your whole life is on the same page as your friends. You go through elementary school, middle school, camp, high school, college, and then all of a sudden like you graduate and there's no timeline anymore for like who gets promoted, who gets a boyfriend, who gets married, who has kids. And it's so easy to like indulge in the keeping up with the Joneses mindset. But in reality, it doesn't fucking matter. And like one or five years difference doesn't make a difference at all and you're going to all end in the same place eventually. That's beautiful. I don't really think I can answer this question because I'm only halfway through. (laughs) that's so true snitch this is such a big question for me there are so many there's so many takeaways from my 20s and I really resonated when Dolly talks about at the end how like she wishes she could go back to being 21 but with her current brain and then her friend India was like so what you're saying is youth is wasted on the young yeah we fucking know but that's the point you can't get to this brain without having had all of those experiences and learning through your mistakes and learning the hard way it's you can't have one without the other so as much as I would go back and tell my old self something that would mean that today's self doesn't exist oh I love that so butterfly effect (laughs) so butterfly effect so meta yeah so you gotta have the cringy experiences unfortunately next this might be irrelevant if you guys haven't seen this movie or something like it but did this book remind anyone of boyhood it follows a boy growing up and it was exactly like that like just watching a regular neighborhood could grow up the boy seemed like something anyone could have written about the mundanity of life with the usual spurts of growing up gossip which might have been the whole point of it uh but usually I read to get away from life you know I actually saw boyhood and I hated it with every fiber of my being and I did not hate this book at all I enjoyed it I felt like Yes, you're reading about the mundanity of life, but Dolly is an eccentric. She's not like other girls, and she's also honest to a fault. And I do think that her perspective and story is is worth reading. And I don't think Boyhood was worth seeing. Okay, so he grew. Like, we know. 
see. I haven't seen it. I have nothing to contribute. I haven't seen it. Don't bother. They're not similar. Sorry to the reader. I didn't need to like slam your comparison. <laughs> and I com- I always think books remind Maybe you don't think this book reminds you of girls. Like that's fine. I just really, I have a visceral reaction to that movie. Did any of you ladies read this book and think, who told this woman she had an interesting enough life for a memoir? The entire time I read this book, I kept thinking to myself, who decided her point of view was important enough to give her a book deal? I think that's the whole point is like, she's nobody special. No offense, Dolly, if you're listening, is that like, she's no one special. She's a complete random. And it's just like, this is her life. And like, the point is that like, you can either relate to it or not. Like, it's not meant to be like a advice book or a self-help book or anything like that. Like, it's honestly supposed to be, I think, like entertainment with like a little bit of like, oh, I relate to that or like, oh, that's funny sort of thing. And like supposed to like spark conversation. But like in the beginning, I had the same thought. I was like, who's this bitch? Like, I don't like I don't trust the word she says. But then I just realized like that's just not the point. Like if I wanted a love guru, I'd read a love guru book. Right. And also who said that all books have to be written by like people of note already? That's how you become. Yeah. an author of note is by writing your first book and just your take on on life also I feel like when people are established or famous or well-known or this or that they start they lose touch a little bit and so this is just a book like for girls like her by girls like them Mm -hmm. you know it wasn't her lack of notoriety that bothered me at all whatsoever I think also there were moments where I felt bad while I was reading the book like her suggestions of who you should be with or what your friendships should look like and her her advice or whatever it might be like I was internalizing like my own situations and I was like oh that's not what I it looks like for me and like oh is that bad and I was like why am I feeling bad from a stranger's writing that was like that also just like maybe made me feel a certain way and I was like I don't I don't want to walk away or close this chapter like feeling shitty about myself yeah I feel you. Next, why do you think Dolly decided to title this book Everything She Knows About Love specifically? The cover of the book has words like friends, jobs, and life crossed out. What makes this book and writing about love depart from a general memoir? Great pick, Margot. Ooh, I think that love is supposed, the reason, it's like the reason why it's written like that is that like love is made up of all of those things. So it's like the high level word. All of those things are made up of love. Yeah, I don't know. But, like, it's not going to be, like, everything I know about jobs and then, like, all of a sudden, like, relationship and, like, stories are in there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like love is, like, the word that encompasses all of it. Yeah. I agree. I agree, too. I I just wish it said love in parentheses, friendship love. (laughs) Not romantic love. Yeah. Everything I know about not romantic love. (laughs) It just puts a lot of pressure on her to be a love guru, and she's admittedly not. Next question. Hi, ladies. I'm obsessed with you all. I have literally no thoughts on how I'd rate this month's book. I don't know what to compare it to, but I definitely love some parts and was entirely disconnected from others. Anyways, my question. When you're out for the night or at an event doing anything, do you find yourself focused on what stories will come from the evening that you can relate to your friends or on your podcast? Do you ever struggle to be present in the moment because you're more focused on making the moment memorable, more exciting, or how it will appear on social media? I can definitely remember doing things in college I might not have just done for the story, but wondering if as people with an online presence and lots of space to share what happens in your life, you feel even more pressure to have wild stories. That's a great question. That is a great question. Honestly, never, but I kind of wish I did. You wish like, I just want to do like crazy. Yeah, I want to do like crazy shit like for the story. Like I don't. 
I don't either. Definitely not for the podcast. I definitely feel like, you know, my behavior as an influencer has changed and my posting on social media has changed. And I definitely could see in the past, even like in the way that I go to a concert, I used to go to a concert and post and film and post every single song multiple times per song. Now I, mean, I go I to a concert. What? No, I know. I... But like on 20, like I did that when I was 25. Yeah. Yeah. Now I go to a concert and sometimes I don't even post that I was at the concert. Like I feel like maybe in the past, not necessarily that I'm doing things for the story, but the way that the story is portrayed on social media, like I cared about more and now I'm just like living in it. I don't know. Or maybe that's just because my job has gone more from like being an influencer to being a podcaster. So it's like, I don't need to have a really long story on my Instagram and that's just, that's not even like human behavior. That's just like my profession. So I don't know, but I do think a lot of probably podcasters experience that where they feel the need to like have a story for the show. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I feel like a lot of those like podcasts about like drinking and like sex and stuff, like that's, I feel like part of it. Yeah. That's such yeah. a good point. But I know in college we didn't have social media. Like I think Snapchat was just at the beginning and like I I don't think we had Instagram. Maybe yeah, we, we did. did. Instagram had, came out uh, the summer after our sophomore year. Okay, so we had Instagram, but it wasn't stories. You know, it was just posts. Right, right. So I feel like stories incorporate, like, the live element. So there wasn't the pressure of, like, going and posting. So I think that it would be wild going to college now and having the pressure of, like, getting something posted for social media. In fact, I hope that, like – sororities and fraternities don't allow that because that's going to take away from the enjoyment of the evening oh definitely Mm -hmm. like if you are just like focused on getting in someone's story and like looking cute and cool that's so not fun but I think that's what it is now same bummer but I think I'm sure it just adds to you know all the politics and things that you think about in college I'm sure it also adds to the fun you know you get to relive the night on stories and yeah all of that stuff so there's pro- there's pros and cons but I do feel like it just as I've grown up I've cared less to share everything but maybe it's just because I would like now I would just talk about the concert I went to on the podcast and that's me doing the exact same thing you know <laughs> next up many reviews of this book state that as a memoir it is unrelatable do you think if Dolly branded and wrote this book as a piece of fiction it would have received higher praise. Which age did you enjoy the most and did you resonate with any age in particular? Next, actually, I'm going to save this next part of the question separately. So I haven't read any of the reviews. I don't think, I think that's so lame if true that, you know, if this had been fiction, that maybe it would have been better received. And honestly, if it had been fiction, people might have been like, this is too unbelievable. It wouldn't ever happen. And it's unrealistic. I think yeah, it's I, kind of awesome that just like a no-name person has an interesting enough voice in writing to compel that many people who don't know her like anyone could try to write a memoir like this and no one would pick it up the fact that this many people did and it's getting its own series like clearly she has something that you don't yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) nice and then is there um the next part of this question was sorry do you wish that you had found or read this book at a different age in your life? No. Ooh. I don't care. It didn't <laughs> compel me one way or the other. No for me either. I, I'm glad to have read it now. And After. Be the, like, and also we're the kind of the same age as her. So I feel like I've come to all the same realizations she's come to. And 
I, I enjoy reading it now. And also was like kind of like a look back on my 20s as I approach my 30th birthday. It's actually the perfect time for me. I feel really good about it. Snatchler? Yeah. Um, no, I kind of liked reading it like mid, mid-20s, you know? Because it's like yeah. I'm like seeing a little bit into like my future. And like I think that that's interesting. Totally. Defining Decade? I haven't read The Defining Decade yet. Have you heard of it? Yeah, of course. You should read it. Now that I'm like done with my, I heard about it too late into my 20s that I don't think it would be relevant to me. But from what I understand, it's the tits. You should read it. Okay, I'll read it. It's I'll about add it to my, um, my, what's it called? TBR? TBR. Especially if you liked this book, I feel like it's the serious version of this book about how the 20s, how your 20s like set you up for the rest of your life. Yeah, how frightening. I know, but it's better to read it in your mid-20s than at at the end of your 20s when it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Right? I liked how they talked about, like, taking a weekend trip into your 30s. That whole concept of, like, oh, like, for one weekend we went to the Cape and did 30-year-old things, but then we could quickly go back to the recesses of safety of the 20s and how, like, you can no longer do that once you're actually 30. So, like, Snitch, you should read it now while you can just take a brief trip. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah totally also I feel why like why can't we do that now like I'm I went to snitch's party and got so fucking drunk like that no, was like so my... you're taking weekend trips into your 20s now oh I guess you're right but what she's saying is like you know how you might have a habit that like I'll say I'm a grandma but like when I'm an actual grandma it's like not ironic for me to be like doing grand things <laughs> oh my god so like my life is weekends at the cave and like yeah, my escape ex- is snitch's birthday <laughs> Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> nice. Okay, well, now it is time for the moral of the story. I actually really resonated with something Dana said, and that is run your own race. I feel like that's the moral of the story, but um I'm sure there are others. Snitch, what do you think? Oh, I don't know, there's so many. Um yes, backing off of what you a first of what you just said is trust the timing of your own life is one. Um, and I don't know, something about friendship. I don't know why. I have, I get by with a little help from my friends. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's also, cute. like, hose over bros. Yeah. Chicks <laughs> over dicks. Yeah, Chicks I over get dick. by with a little help from my friends, I agree with. Because, like, Jax, like, I feel like run your own race is something she should have been saying to herself but like didn't yeah no it's true and that's like that's something that we can extrapolate from this but that's not the message she was giving us that's Mm -hmm. our message to her i think honestly i think that her i think her moral of the story if she was here would be like about like how friendships like could be like your greatest love story or something like that like that's how she did like her acknowledgments were like at the end to farley like was like you are like my greatest love story or something yeah no it's like sex in the city like we are each yeah. other's soulmates and any man who comes in can just hope for second best that, yeah. that line of samantha's like we're soulmates baby yeah that's yeah. it it's that scene that's the one okay now usually we would do the hollywood treatment segment but this has already been made into a show it actually came out on peacock this week so i just wanted to talk about the casting decisions um, they changed the names in the char- of the characters in the show. None of us have watched the show yet, but um, I can decipher who Dolly and Farley are. They're Maggie and Birdie, and they're played by Emma Appleton is playing Dolly, and Belle Powley is playing 
birdie who is Farley. And upon a quick Google search, did this do it for you? Yeah, no, this did it for me. Who would I you wanted want a blonde? To I think they like dyed her hair blonde, dirty blonde. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. I don't... Oh. Um, then yeah, honestly, I really am glad that we didn't have to do a holiday Hollywood treatment because I really couldn't picture anyone. Mine yeah, was Dolly like Phoebe. kept shape shifting for me. Dolly was Phoebe Waller Bridges or whatever her name is for me. Oh. Even though Phoebe is like a little too old. I didn't realize like how tall she was. I yeah, didn't realize that she was... was blonde until I saw her Instagram. So I didn't really have a vision. Yeah, I thought looks-wise those actresses were fine. I just don't know them that well. Like, I haven't seen many of their things. Same. I Googled it, and, like, Belle was in uh, King of Staten Island, and I loved that movie. So, like, that resonated. But I, I need to watch the series. I don't know how I feel. Yeah. Okay, well, now it's time for our overall Redheads rating of this book. I'm so excited to get our final number. Snatchler, you go first. What did you rate this book? I'm giving it a four. Nice. Strong. Rebecca? 2.9. Less strong. Dana? I did have a four down snitch. Yes. I really liked it. And I'm giving it a 3.8. Okay. So oh my God, our overall you guys. Redhead's rating is a 3.675. Feels that right. Feels right. Feels, feels high. Pretty, that's pretty good for us. No, feels a little low, but whatever. Feels, feels high. okay and now it's time for other books that we read this month that's a wrap on our recap of this book snatcher we're gonna start with you okay thank you so much jacqueline okay i actually read a bunch of books so first i read can't look away by carola lovering um i think we had one of her books as a um redheads book it was really really good i very much enjoyed it um I think I gave it like a three eight because I was just like not dying for it but it was good I mean I like her book so it's fine then I read the hotel Nantucket because by Ellen Hildebrand and I because I went to Nantucket um and I really liked it I'm not like I don't really care to read about like a hotel so like that's kind of where I was like you know struggling but I thought it was like really cute and I thought it was good I gave it like a three five even though I know that's low people like loved it I just like Reading about a hotel is just not for me, you know? Okay. Then I read um, Every Summer After, which, by the way, guys, I'm so glad I did not choose it as so my book. So glad. Why? So glad. It because, was, like, just, it was like, just, like, fine. and like it was, Yeah. And it was, like, nothing great. And also, like, just the way that everyone was, like, dying for it. I was like, what's so great about this book? It was but, good. I really enjoyed it, but I wouldn't have well, wanted to do a whole hour episode about it really so much to say but what I will say is that then everyone was telling me to read Love in Other Words which I had heard about is by Christina Lauren that like writing duo mm-hmm. I think she wrote Twice the Blue Moon she did but yeah. um and at first I was reading it and I was so upset because it's legitimately the exact same plot as every summer after but this book is older whatever I continued reading it it was so good it was so much better than every summer after like 1000% like Claudia like said the same thing she Claudia said both. the like, same thing yeah it was so so good so if you're trying to decide between the two I would read that then I read Nora goes off script by Annabelle Monahan um and it was a really cute book I mean it was just like a feel-good like cute book nothing crazy to write home about but I read in one day on the plane so it was just like a nice book I gave that like a three five but just because honestly I would give it like a four because I enjoyed it but there's it's not like four material it's not like amazing um 
Yeah, and that's everything that I read, which is like a lot for me. Yeah, good for you, Counts. Thank you. That's like more than you read all year so far, aside from Redheads. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've just been like cranking through. That's a summer read for you. Oh, wait, have I spoken about Crossing the Line? I think I have. The porn book by Lucy Score. I've heard about it so many times, I don't know about from you, but um, feel free to share. It's a five out of five. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. It's like porn central. You guys are going to love it. Oh, my God. Okay, that's your porn that's recommendation hilarious. for the day. Crossing the line, Lucy Score. Bex, what about you? I did not read any other books this month. Sorry to say, ladies, that this just captured so much of my attention. It was so <laughs> worth my time that I just couldn't imagine dedicating anything else to any other books. I'm Even sorry. with your picturesque, like what'd you do when you were in the mountains? You oh my God, TV? you guys, what didn't I do? I was like running around from 6 a.m. until 10 p.m. every day. Wow. Like I was like hiking, fly fishing, horseback riding, swimming. Like I, I did not stay still. So it, it actually was like the least likely place to ever. And I was sleeping on the plane because I was dead. Got it. Okay, I'm going to go next because Dana's books at the end of the episode have become like folklore. So let me just get mine in. <laughs> I read Uppercut, Highlights of My Hollywood Life by Carrie White. It is a memoir by Carrie White, who was a celebrity hairdresser in the 70s and 80s and, like, had the craziest experiences, did everyone's hair from Elvis to um, Sharon Tate for her wedding. Like, literally everyone who you've ever heard of, like, she was doing their hair. She was also an addict through the whole time, and eventually it took a really dark turn for her. But the book is amazing. And even if you're not really into like 70s, 80s stars, which I really wasn't, and I didn't even have the Elvis appreciation until I watched Elvis after I read the book, you will like this book if you if you like a great, juicy memoir. It was recommended to me by Lauren Bostic, and she never misses with her recs for me. So I loved it. That's pretty Five sick. stars. It was While I was reading it, I was like, this is good, but it's going to be four stars just because it's like not entirely my beat. By the end, I was like completely immersed in it. Five stars all the way. Then I read Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. I did personally think it was a little overrated just because it's gotten so much hype now. And I thought the end was so much better than the beginning. So by the end, I gave it a four because it was good. But along the way, I was like, this is the book everyone's talking about. But it was cute. And if you like a romance, it's perfectly adequate. But Margot says Love in Other Words is the better version of it. So maybe you should read that because Claudia said the same thing too. Then I read Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. This book, I went to read it on my Kindle and I was like 6% in already. I was like, oh my God, I've already tried to read this book and I didn't get through 6%. So I pushed through and once I made it to like 15%, I was so invested. This was like one of the best books I've read this year, hands down, five stars. It's historical fiction, but the story is true and it's one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. It's a true thing that happened um, back in between like 1938 to 1950 in this country. And it's shocking. It's one of the worst things I've, and it was, in, it was, it was insane. It was a journey. I loved, loved, loved this book. It was hard though to get through, but worth it for sure. Five stars all the way. Dana? I'm so glad you pushed through that book because I loved it too. And it's really phenomenal. Which is phenomenal. so funny because I told Jax that like I didn't like it and like I'm the problem. So maybe I'll like have to revisit it or something. It is a slow start. You do have to push through. But once you make so it over slow. that hump, it's worth it. And I think I just like resented it after that. 
Um, okay, I read The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell by Robert Dugani. That was a Ritz recommendation, and I loved it. I gave it a 3.9. Then I read All the Ugly and Wonderful Things by Bryn Greenwood. Phenomenal book. Truly love this. One of the best I've read in a long time. But as always, it's extremely dark and triggering, so read at your own risk. I gave that a 4.7. Then I read Razorblade Tears by S.A. Cosby and Boy, did I get dragged by the redheads for giving this a low rating of 2.8. I stand by it solely because I thought it was terribly written. I just didn't like the writing. It wasn't literary. I agree that the plot was good. The topic was great. It just wasn't written in the speed that I enjoy. So I stand by my terrible rating for that book. But I understand if the rest of the masses like it. And then I read City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. I gave that a 4.0. I thought that was like... A wonderful one of the best books I've read it gives rules of civility vibes so I think the two of you would really really like it it was Ooh. like you should read it next it's a hit okay great I definitely will read that and what I'll also be reading is our next next month's book which is a my choice Ooh. and per my usual October fair I'm choosing something that's trendy just because I've seen it in a lot of places. It's been on my want to read list for a really long time. And then I floated the idea to Dana and she said she had heard amazing things. It has a really good rating on Goodreads of 4.4. So we will be reading Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Oh my God, Jax, um, I'm so excited we're reading this. My mom has been like talking about this book nonstop. She's obsessed with it. And I think – I. Like, I was like, wow, someone needs to choose this for the redhead. So I'm so pumped. Oh, my God. I'm, I feel so good about my choice. I can't wait to read yeah. with you guys next month. This episode is like an hour and a half. We need to go. Like, all of us have hard stops. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for another wonderful episode of The Redheads. You can follow us at The Redheads. We'll have updates about books, merch, things that we're reading, lo- things that we're loving. We will see you on the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.